Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Blow up. We made it! Welcome to Draft Week here on Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs, managing editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, senior NFL draft analyst at DraftNetwork.com, diehard Dolphins fan, and we've reached the pinnacle. We have been told by this Dolphins organization for the course of the past 14 months or so that this is a long-term rebuild for the Miami Dolphins built to sustain a long-term winner. Well, we saw what year one, uh, the fruit that that bore for the Miami Dolphins, mainly in terms of assets, but also in terms of momentum for this football team, their ability to go five and four down the stretch with a ragtag roster of uh, players that, that almost gave you the feel of an island of misfit toys, right? Discarded first-round picks and second-round picks and third-round picks uh, from all across uh, the entire NFL, really. And, and it was guys like Josh Rosen and Robert Kimdichie and Eric Rowe and uh list goes on and on and on of these, these acquisitions uh, that the Dolphins had stockpiled and took this ragtag group, and Brian Flores coached them to a 5-4 and four finish, and then entered free agency with almost $100 million in cap space. They promptly spent that wisely, but they still spent it to transition from scrappy underdog to young, rebuilding, upstart team. And now we have the NFL draft. Six picks in the top 70 selections, five in the top 56, four in the top 40. This has the chance, and this is something that I wrote about today for uh, Dolphins Bar. It's actually kind of depressing to look back at, but also kind of exciting for the here and now. This is the most historic point in the Dolphins organization in over 10 years. Make no mistake, like there have been historic moments, like Mountaineer Shot was an all-time great trick play, and the Miami Miracle was an all-time great win, but that would have been history if the Dolphins used that as a springboard to go to the playoffs and make a little bit of noise instead of falling apart and losing your last three football games in 2018. You think about uh, the Cam Wake walk-off safety on Thursday Night Football as a 500 team against the Cincinnati Bengals. That team would have been able to put together a run, make a little postseason noise, win a division championship, Yes, that would have been history, but instead they're great moments. But all time, like across the scope of the entire Miami Dolphins organization, this is the most significant point in history in the last 15 years of this organization. Bar none. You have to go all the way back to 2008 to find anything historically relevant for the Dolphins in the grand scheme of the NFL, a division championship. 
December 28th, 2008. They go up to New York. They beat the 9-5 the New York Jets. Or the 9-6 New York Jets. Week 17, Teddy Ginn has a 27-yard touchdown in the corner of the end zone, and 15 seconds later, Philip Merling picks off Brett Favre and runs it back for a touchdown. Two touchdowns in the span of 15 seconds with under three minutes before the half. Went from losing 6-0 to winning 14-6. Turned that into a division championship in a season in which Tom Brady played the first game and got hurt, and the Patriots still finished 11-5, and and the Dolphins were still one and done in the playoffs. That is the last historically relevant bit of history that you have from 2008, even if you include 2007, unless you want to include that one massive win over the Baltimore Ravens at overtime to prevent going 0-16, all the way to this week. And no matter what happens this week, as a Miami Dolphins fan or as a member of the Miami Dolphins organization, this week will be history because 15 years from now, when we're looking back on the Miami Dolphins, we're going to point to the 2020 NFL draft and we are either going to say that was the springboard and the catalyst for success sustained success the way that it's it's intended or we're going to look back and we're going to point to that and we're going to say that was an all-time colossal misstep and failure for the Dolphins that cost this team X number of years of contention because you think about what the Dolphins have given up to this point to get here and now ready to rebuild to the degree that they're going to If the Dolphins fall flat on their face, it'll still be historic, but for all the wrong reasons. Because of what the Dolphins have paid in terms of talent, young talent, the Laramie Tunsils and Micah Fitzpatricks, to get here and now. The good news is, I have faith that no matter what decision this team makes a quarterback, His team has the right pieces in place. We've talked on this show pretty extensively about uh, the Dolphins of the past, especially the past 10, 15 years, have spent a lot of time fighting with each other for leverage in the eyes of ownership. And that counterproductive culture has cost this team the chance to really gel when there was real talent on this team. The Reggie Bush, Brandon Marshall, Jake Long, Carlos Dansby, that group was a good group of football players. Coaching and management were at each other's throats trying to convince Stephen Ross that the other side of the fence was the problem. We don't have that now, so we should be very excited to see everybody on the same page with a front office filled with highly respected Highly experienced executives in Marvin Allen and Reggie McKenzie and Chris Greer. And a head coach that proved in 2019 that he has the CEO skills to get the best out of people and to want people to gravitate to him to work for him. And enjoy being held accountable by Brian Flores. 
and a, a head coach who works in unison and in constant communication with management to make sure the vision is clear and the vision is unilateral. There's only one, and we're all on the same page. We should be excited about this week, but this week will be history. Will this week be filled with surprises? I think the answer is yes. Starting to get a little nervous that the Dolphins are going to make us sweat out their quarterback decision even more than they have to. And that's what we're going to talk about here for the rest of the show. So if you've been paying attention to the folks over at NFL Network, they have had multiple employees, now three, over the course of the past five days, who have come out and asserted that the Miami Dolphins might not be drafting a quarterback with their first overall selection. And I'm going to give you a moment to collect your thoughts because I know this is a very troubling proposition for a lot of Dolphins fans. So, take a deep breath. If the Dolphins chose to execute this pathway, we saw Gil Brandt, who is an NFL Hall of Famer, pretty well-connected, longtime Dallas Cowboys scout. Lance Zerline, who is the guy who writes all the player profiles for NFL.com. It's a big part of their NFL draft coverage. And then Mike Garofolo, who's one of their insiders slash reporters, in a mock draft last night, all three have insinuated Dolphins quarterback five, not a slam dunk. And I can hear you guys now. It's a smoke screen. They're taking Tua. Hold on. Because there's a chance like this, this might not. The obsession that Dolphins fans have with Tua is well warranted in that he seems to check the boxes that the Dolphins want from a leadership charisma standpoint, from a talent perspective, he's very, very good. But I'm I'm here to tell you, and this isn't the first time I'll have told you this on the show, the NFL does not like Tua as much as you do as the fan wanting your team to draft that player. I can't claim to know exactly what the Dolphins are going to do, but I have spoken to a a number of individuals who work for organizations in the NFL as a part of my work for the Draft Network with varying degrees of access, including some high-access individuals. And Tua is much more polarizing inside NFL circles than what he is in the public space. And there is a chance pretty good chance that the Dolphins are going to pass on Tua with him on the board at five. I want you to mentally prepare yourself for it. If it were me, because I feel like I need to distinguish that difference, knowing that I don't have to make the decision based on his health because I don't have access to his medicals, I don't have access uh, to meeting him behind closed doors and in team meetings at the Combine and stuff like that, just based off of like, What is public knowledge? Two is my QB2. I would take him at five in a heartbeat. But I also happen to like Justin Herbert for what he is as a player. I also happen to like Jordan Love for what he is as a player. 
Tua is still my QB2. He's my number nine overall player in this year's NFL draft. But if you put positional value on it, if you need a quarterback and you're picking at five, take the best available quarterback. But if the Dolphins are uncomfortable, and this has been a team in the past who has looked to hit doubles versus home runs with their early picks, they want to get hits, they want to get contributors. Could that not be a catalyst to the Dolphins passing on two at five? Just asking the question. I'd also say this. If the Dolphins feel like there are quarterbacks that they covet similarly and they see a pathway to win and mold their offense around Jordan Love, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungavello, all, and they value them equally, and they know they're picking again at 18. I'm trying to get inside the head of the team right now because if it were me, if there were a quarterback that I liked enough to pick at 18, or if there were a quarterback that I liked enough to trade up from 18 to go and get, I would just take him at five. That seems to me like common sense. Like, I don't want to play that game. I don't want to play that game of chicken with the rest of the league. But let's ask ourselves the question. If the Dolphins do that, if the Dolphins choose to take best available offensive tackle, whether it's Mekhi Becton, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, whoever, if that's the decision the Dolphins choose to make at five because it's quote-unquote safe, because it's a quote-unquote guaranteed contributor, and then they want to pivot to quarterback with pick number two, how do we get there? I want to spend the rest of the show working with you guys to figure out who are the options, how do we get there. The L.A. Chargers are going to pick at six behind the Dolphins, and they are a team, you know, they have been posturing very hard that Terod Taylor is not a bridge quarterback. They seem to like him. I don't believe them. Terod Taylor's been in this league long enough, and we've seen his sample size with the Buffalo Bills big enough that we know who he is as a football player. Chargers presumably take best available quarterback at six. So one of Tua, Herbert, and Jordan Love is going to come off the board at six. Carolina is a realistic threat to take a quarterback at seven. But it's a team that just signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $64 million, $63 million contract, whatever it was. Have a hard time seeing them with the money that they just gave Teddy Bridgewater, a team that is just starting a rebuild and needs foundational core pieces. I understand that a quarterback is a foundational core piece, but this is a roster that's not ready to bring that into the fray yet, in my opinion. I don't think the Panthers are a realistic threat to take a quarterback. They would be a realistic team to trade out of that pick and stockpile more picks, though. So if you're Miami, coming up to seven's an option. Arizona... Wide receiver, offensive tackle, defensive line. Don't think they're off the board. I don't think they're going to move out of their spot. They're not a quarterback threat. Then you get to nine, Jacksonville. Jacksonville's reportedly the Trevor Lawrence team, the tank for Trevor team. They said they're going to build around Gardner Minshew. They're shopping Yannick Ngakwe. They're shopping Leonard Fournette. They're another team that's been tied in rumor to tradebacks. Miami, you can call up Jacksonville. Start offering picks. To move up from 18 to 10, it's a more attractive option. And at this point, like, we're currently operating under the assumption that two of the three quarterbacks are still available, right? 
And who are your other threats to trade up? They're like New England at 23, New Orleans at 24, Minnesota at 22 and 25. Like Miami at 18, the only team that's a viable threat at this point, having made it to nine, if Jacksonville is sincerely in the tank for for Trevor mentality or if they are simply genuinely going to give Gardner Minshew a shot because Minshew played well in stretches as a rookie, as a a late-round rookie last year. Cleveland's not taking one at 10. The Jets aren't taking one at 11. You got the Vegas Raiders at 12 as a team to watch. San Francisco at 13 has openly come out this morning slash last night and said we are open to trading both of our picks, 31 and 13, to move back and stockpile more picks because they've got a 125-pick gap between 31 and their next pick at 156. 14's Tampa Bay. 15's the Denver Broncos. They got Drew Locke. They're interested in a wide receiver. 16's the Atlanta Falcons. 17's the Dallas Cowboys. They got Dak Prescott. They've been offering him $35 million a year. Vegas Raiders are a team to watch. So I would say this. If the Dolphins wanted to play this game, bless them. If they want to let other teams make their quarterback decision for them, which is effectively what it comes down to, is you have the pick of all three at five, and you're going to say, no, I think we'll circle back. We're going to take our best available def- or offensive tackle at five instead. Potentially Mackay Becton. Mackay Becton and Andrew Thomas are the two that I would most anticipate they'd be like super in on for their ability to reset the line of scrimmage. We've talked about that as well. We did uh, building offensive tackle, big board for Miami. If they want to let other teams make the quarterback decision for them, it's bold. But you literally sit on your hands until two out of three is gone. That's the answer. That That is how you choose to attack this if you're the Dolphins and you want to pass on quarterback at five to go with an offensive tackle. You're, you're effectively saying, we feel as though we can win with any of these three quarterbacks. We like them, but we want to get maximum value. So we're going to sit on our hands, and we're going to let the Chargers pick one at seven, and we're going to wait until that second one comes off the board. Whether it's Vegas Raiders at 12, which would be like a surprise. Whether it is Carolina at 7, which in my opinion is also a surprise. Whether it's a team jumping up in front of them. And here's the thing about, like, we're talking about the Patriots and the Saints. You know, Saints, Drew Brees has said this is his last year, and, and Patriots without Tom Brady. Patriots don't have the picks. How the hell are you going to come up in front of Miami? You don't have a second-round pick. You've got 23 and then, like, three third-round picks. And in that same stretch of time, Miami's got an extra one, two extra twos, and an earlier three. You ain't going to beat Miami in an offer. New Orleans is going to have to give next year's capital away to outbid Miami. Same with the Patriots. And Miami could say, okay, well, you you can get your picks here and now. We'll give you our picks right now. You want to wait 12 months, or do you want to now? Minnesota would be really surprised because they're a team that's lost a ton. They lost Stephon Diggs. They lost like their top three cornerbacks. They're a team that always draft corners early in the draft. 
their team that's paying Kirk Cousins. They give Kirk Cousins an extension. They didn't, they're not drafting a quarterback. We're in like a really weird spot where like supply and demand is in the Dolphins' favor a little bit. And that's why I've always been pretty staunch on this show that like you don't have to trade up from five to get your guy. You don't have to go to three. So much so that it might be so much so the case that the Dolphins are going to say, well, shit, we're going to take somebody else at five because there's three guys we feel like we can win with and have highly graded. And we're going to sort it out as we go, and we're going to let the board come to us. And for those of you who are listening to this saying, yeah, but man, like somebody's going to come up for Tua, I would just say, again, remember, I've spoken with enough people attached to enough teams with enough varying degrees of access at those teams through my work at the Draft Network that the NFL does not view Tua as the same slam dunk that you do. I know Tua has been pitched as this team's savior for 14 months. I get it. And I would be thrilled if the Dolphins walked away with Tua and if they were so insane that they could pick an offensive tackle at 5 and then get 2 at 18, hell to the yeah. I'd do naked backflips through my backyard. should probably not say that I don't want to sign myself up for something I can't actually do. Can't actually do a backflip. What's my problem with the naked part? <laughs> this week is going to be very high stress for Dolphins fans, and it's because of the historic weight of this week that we talked about at the beginning of the show. My best advice at this point in the game, take your trade rumors with a grain of salt. Where everybody's up under the 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 uh, the heat now, right? So it's a, the, the pressure's been turned up because we're running short on time. And I know a lot of these teams have said, if we're going to get a deal done, we want the deal done before we go on the clock because of the virtual component in this year's draft. Take it for a grain of salt until anything happens. Try not to get stressed. Trust the process. Trust the porpoise, I should say. And it's because of all the things that we've talked about that are culturally different with the Miami Dolphins organization versus the years past that if they choose, they would rather go with... Mackay backed in at five, let Tua go to the Chargers, Herbert goes, Colts miraculously trade up from 34 somehow to 13, get back into their original pick, and they give up like 34, 44, 75, next year's one to get there. Okay. Now you're at pick 14. Jordan Love's still on the board. You've got past the Raiders the first time around. You're back in the same driver's seat that you were picking at five to say, okay, well, I'm going to call up Denver at 15. I'm going to call Tampa at 14. I'm going to call up Atlanta at 16. I'm going to call up Den- uh, Dallas at 17. I'm going to say, if anybody rings you up and offers you anything, call us back before you accept the deal. Because whatever their price is, We will beat it. And you're right back in the same driver's seat that you were in Miami leveraging pick three versus pick five for the last three months. If the Dolphins believe Jordan Love is a comparable quarterback for them to work with moving forward, we got to trust it. 
And we'll know soon enough. Thursday night, approximately 24, 48, 72, 84 hours from now, we're going to know who the Dolphins' first pick is. 84 hours from right now. It's 9.30 a.m. on Monday morning. We should be excited about that, excited about the history that's going to come with this draft. We've got a lot of great stuff to talk to talk about between now and then. Power to the pod tomorrow. Going to solicit your questions. If you have questions, don't have a Twitter account, iTunes reviews. That's your way to go. Drop that question there. I make sure I prioritize those every week. I will make sure I get to your questions if you leave them in there and they show up when I open up uh, the uh, iTunes interface. Kyle Krabs, signing off. Stay calm. Deep breaths. Enjoy the ride. And let's appreciate the history for what it is. And let's be optimistic for the time being, until they give us a reason not to be. Let's be optimistic that the management and and coaching staff in place are the right people for the job. And this is going to be the pivotal turnaround this week for our Miami Dolphins. Talk with you guys tomorrow.